This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. And welcome to Sightlines, your guide to the visual arts in and around Dunedin. I'm Sally McMillan, and this show is brought to you on behalf of the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society. In today's show, we're going to be talking about how to buy art. We'll be asking a pair of experts for their advice on what to look for when you're buying a piece of art, what to consider if you're buying for someone else as a gift, and for those who really catch the art bug, how to build a collection. But first, here's DPAG Society President Ross Curry with news of the latest exhibitions in town. This is Snapshot. What's new, Ross? Artists Sally are often voicing their concerns on climate change and global warming, and two shows coming up in February are great examples. Sam Foley has a show opening on February the 25th at the Dowling Street Studios, 20A Dowling Street. Sam's photorealistic paintings are drawn from the pathways of the Dunedin Botanical Gardens, and his show has the slightly ominous title of Last Night in the Gardens. These paintings are a meditation on climate change concerns, beautiful but with an undercurrent of anxiety. The PC Gallery in the main street of Port Chalmers is featuring Adrian Hall's work from February the 11th to the 25th with the intriguing title, Standing on Your Head Blowing Bubbles. Don't try this at home, but instead head down to the port to see the distillation of photos and drawings that Adrian has been developing since 2014. He's exploring the consequences of our warming planet. The RDS Gallery opposite the railway station has a show of Murray Estale's photographs until February the 5th, and this is followed by Felix Harris's solo show from February the 9th to early March. Some of you will remember Felix's touching tribute to his mother, Joanna Margaret Paul, at the recent Dunedin Public Art Gallery exhibition of her work. Geoffrey Harris is Felix's father, so he comes from a stellar family background of artists. Outstanding pedigree indeed, Ross. It'll be interesting to see the work of the new generation. Yes, indeed. Uh, Brett McDowell Gallery in Darling Street has works by Martin Thompson from February the 18th to March the 10th. Poignantly, it includes his last work, which he described as 93% finished before he died. In February, the Milford Gallery has a well-known carver, Chris Bailey, and concurrently there's a group show featuring Chris Charteris, local painter Jenna Packer, Israel Birch and Chris Corson-Scott. And Ross, I think there's a work now on public display that we talked about right back in our very first sightlines. That's right, Sally. Aisha Green's magnificent gateway, Ko Te Tuhono, is now a permanent fixture in the octagon and well worth a special visit. It's really beautiful and I do commend to everybody that they check that out. So Ross, what's on at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery over the holidays? Well, the Dunedin Public Art Gallery has a focus on Māori art through the holiday period. Hereka Te Kumara finishes on February the 21st. Hurahia Ana Ka Fetu, Unveiling the Stars, continues on the ground floor and now has additional reflections from a wide cross-section of the public to accompany the paintings. Pai Manu, the Naitahu Artist Collective, has a major show through February, Tauraka Toy, The Landing Place, and the gallery foyer and six-floor galleries will feature 
commissioned works and usher in a new generation of Maori artists. Lots to look forward to. So many thanks, Ross, and now it's time for our monthly feature item. And I'm welcoming to the studio two Dunedin Gallery directors, Hilary Radner from RDS Gallery, a small but perfectly formed exhibition gallery opposite the railway station in Castle Street, and Liz Fraser from Gallery de Novo, which is a central Dunedin retail gallery on the corner of Lower Stewart Street and Morrie Place. Ladies, thanks for being with us today. Now, both of you have impressive art pedigrees which you bring to the process of advising people on the buying and collecting of artworks. Hilary, if we can come to you first, you became Director of RDS after 30 years in academia. What was your area of expertise as a scholar? Well, actually, I began my career as a video artist in the uh, late 70s and early 80s. So... That's where my experience with art comes from. I went into academia because I realized my main interest was the intersection between popular culture and high art. So what motivated you to create RDS Gallery? Well, first of all, as a, an emeritus professor, I had quite a bit of time on my hand, and I was free to explore what I wished to explore. Previously at the university, there was a lot of emphasis on international visibility and publication. Uh, so I felt like I then I had the opportunity now to look at where I lived and what happened there. And art has always been a passion of mine, so I turned to art. I spent some time working with the DPAG Society. But the other thing is I was quite um, dismayed to see what had happened to art history and theory. I knew it was happening. I tried hard while I was still in rank. But by the time the art history and theory program, which had become art history and visual culture, was dismantled, it was really too late to do anything. Okay. So when did you start RDS? Well, I didn't start it. It was for over 20 years, Inga Duisburg Gallery and Studio. And... Inga Duisburg is the D in RDS. In 2019, she decided she wanted to bring in some partners because she was getting a bit fatigued after 20 years. (laughs) Uh, So both I, uh, the R, and Marie Strauss came in. And it was meant to be DRS, Duisburg Radner Strauss, uh, but that looks like doctors. So, that so would they, never work. <laughs> yeah, so they changed around to okay. RDS. And so that was in July 2019. Okay. So if we can turn to you now, Liz, you gained a BA in art history at Otago University, so you've both I got did. an Otago yes, uni background. And also very upset when art history yes. shut down. Yeah. Like you, it's Hillary. demise. Was, yes, very, very sad. So myself and um, my partner, Rochelle, um, also did art history at university, so I absolutely loved it. Fantastic. Yes. And then you did yes. a stint, I think, at a dealer gallery in Dunedin. I did, yes. Uh, and then promptly abandoned us and went to I, London. I what did, did you I'm do sorry. there? <laughs> uh, so I turned up full uh, um, in London full of optimism and um, walked along Cork Street and all the wonderful gallery areas uh, in London and with my CV and walked into the Royal Academy of Arts on Piccadilly 
uh, and they had a job going. They called me back for a um, job running at the framing department there. So I was there for two years and we were involved in um, framing of some of the ex- major exhibitions that were there as well as the Royal um, Academician School. Uh, we did framing for them as well, so it was as well as the public. So yeah, it was an incredible experience. Me and of course, too. framing is a service that you offer at yes. De Novo. Yes, it is. Yes. So when you returned to Dunedin, uh, you and Rochelle opened the gallery. Uh, you returned in 20, 2004, I think. Yes. So that's what was right. your motivation for starting De Novo? That's something. Well, Rochelle and I both ended up separately being working in London, and I think. Um, yeah, it's just something that we'd always wanted to do, return to Dunedin, to where our families were, and to bring up our own families. And we both, art history and just art lovers, art collectors, we just felt there was a real gap in the market and we wanted to put our mark on it. So Okay. And so luckily for art buffs, both of you have remained in Dunedin for the long haul, and both businesses are destination galleries for art lovers, both locally and throughout New Zealand and indeed I think both of you are also able to ship work overseas as and when required yes 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 we do yes occasionally (laughs) reluctantly actually yeah I've personally always wanted to see uh, and, in the, and in the case of more tactile art like ceramics, yes. feel art before I buy it. But is online shopping much of a thing for art buyers these days? Liz? It is really a thing. I think people are just so um, now buying th- so many things online that I think art is just another thing that they're adding. And it's amazing that they do. It absolutely blows me away that someone from Idaho or someone from Germany just discovered our gallery and purchased something online and very yes. happy with once they receive the work they're always so much happier with you know you can look at the online image and they're still you know willing to take the plunge when yeah. they do they're always very happy because there's nothing like seeing it in the flesh no. so Hilary your gallery is presently an exhibition gallery so your location probably means that you're more of a destination gallery you're opposite the railway station in Castle Street just around the corner from the court which was where I spend a lot of time and I hasten to add for listeners that that's because I'm a lawyer not because I'm a criminal and so I often walk past and I'm always pleased to notice that there are people in the gallery where do your clientele come from? Well Inga had a gallery in the same location and even though she's not actively involved in the managerial side of things she's still involved and we inherited her list of clients and a number of her artists so people were accustomed to going to that gallery but by and large I would say people come to the gallery because they know the artist okay Liz, as we mentioned before, Gallery de Novo uh, would have to be one of the best art gallery locations ever. So it's on the corner of Murray Place, just one block from the Octagon. So where do your customers come from? Uh, well, we do, obviously, because of our location, which we're very, very happy about our location, uh, we do get a lot of foot traffic. And in those times before COVID, when we had so many international tourists, um, they would often walk down to the railway station and then see your gallery, Hillary, and then come past ours to go back up into the octagon. So just a lot of accidental visitors. Mm. Um, but so they were from all around the world. Now 
there from all around the country. Yes. And we're just always amazed by how many people come from, have never been to Dunedin before, love our city, love our architecture, love our art galleries and the quality of art that that we have down here. So. Fantastic. Mm. And I suppose that in that broad cross-section of clients, you get some who are novice purchasers and need some guidance around things to consider when they're buying art. So... Part of the reason that we wanted to do today's show was because we know that many people are interested in becoming first-time art buyers but are perhaps a bit intimidated by the prospect of going into a gallery because they don't know much about art and maybe don't even know what they like. So, Liz, if I'm that person walking into Gallery De Novo of a morning, what's your advice to me? Um, first of all, just to have, have a wander around and see if something speaks to you. I think really we're just all about having a reaction to a work and you might see something you might hate it but that's that's a good reaction because you know that that style of work isn't for you or that artist isn't for you just just immersing yourself in art wherever you can really to get an idea of what you like yes Hilary how do you advise novice buyers when they visit RDS we're more of a niche gallery and in that sense people that come to the gallery as a rule are already interested in specifically regional art. But, well, they develop a relationship with the gallery with me and they do ask me for advice. And I did uh, look at what some of the famous collectors have done, such as James Michener, the popular novelist. He took his cues from the Whitney Museum. And indeed, I often recommend to people that they join the DPAG Society, that they attend events and look at the artwork that's on display there, in particular when they have a, a, a display of local art, because that will introduce them to new local artists, perhaps uh, people that they might, or work that they might not have initially wished to engage with. Though I do really agree with you, you have to have that gut feeling. Mm. There's no point in buying something that doesn't sort no. of light you up inside in Absolutely. one way or another. Absolutely. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you can also expand your horizons by uh, doing research, and I know that sounds boring, but the DPAG Society makes research fund. You have a glass of wine, you get a wonderful introduction from the director or one of the curatorial team, and you look at new work. And this is a very good way to develop one's eye and one's sense of what's happening in your own very exciting region. So, so once somebody lands in your gallery, hopefully having done some of the research that the likes of which you and Liz uh, have just spoken about. I think you provide uh, your clients with your prospective buyers about um, with information about the artists that you represent. Can you tell us just a little bit, please, about that? Well, in the case of uh, RDS Gallery under our current sort of regime of two professors, <laughs> emeritus professors, we really emphasise uh, what we call our occasional essay series. So for each artist, we uh, develop an issue from our series, which includes biographical information and also some reflection, some of it more informal, some more formal, that will perhaps open up uh, uh, the artwork to a new viewer, give them a thread that they can sort of hang on to and pull pull them into the painting or into the work. And I have seen people go around with their little booklets reading it while they look at the work, and that always makes me feel really happy and, um, 
And this is where my uh, sense of loyalty to the art history program comes in because I, I felt this was an occasion for me to underline how important it is to be able to write about art, to be able to read what others have written in terms of, again, enriching one's sense of what's happening, of expanding one's horizons. But of course, again, it's always that gut feeling. You have to have that excitement. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that, I guess what you seem to both be saying is that the more information that you have as a prospective buyer, the richer your experience with an engagement with the art will be. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was how do you advise people who come in wanting to buy work for others as a gift? Because it always seems to me that that's quite a fraught proposition. Liz, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yes, it, it depends how well they know the person, uh, if they've gleaned any information from them, or uh, I'm always quite amazed too. But generally we know how to guide them to something that is... Hopefully suitable. <laughs> Hopefully suitable. If not, there's there's always a voucher. Um, but you know, it's it's not so personal. So um, yes, yeah. Hillary, what about you? Well, I have to confess, Liz, that I have been known to say I think that Gallery de Novo would be better suited <laughs> <laughs> to this. Good bit of cross fertilisation. We love that. Uh, but I, but I. Um, I Largely because we don't have a lot of choice at any one time. So it's one artist, and yes. if the individual and the person for whom the individual is planning the gift don't like the work of that artist, it's it's not really going to be very helpful. So I'm I'm quite cautious about that. Also, our um, work has to stay on the wall until the end of the exhibition. So if there's a birthday the next two days, it's not going to be right. very suitable. Yes. I've had that problem. The artists are very unhappy if we take the work down yes. early. <laughs> so it, it's not, it's, it's something I deal uh, with uh, caution is what I use, yeah. but I have sold artwork as gifts to people occasionally for somebody's buying a gift for another person. It's people that know each other very well. And also people that I know, and I know that they're already interested in that artist. Do you ever encourage people towards the idea of art buying as a ritual for, for something to be shared, that I, the, the buying process itself could be considered part of the gift? I've done that myself. <laughs> I, I, I like to buy art uh, for, usually it's for a very close person, and I bring them along and we discuss it together. And it's it's exciting. It's always interesting when, um, say, a couple will come in, the husband will come in. I, I shouldn't stereotype, should I? Uh, but I'm going to. And will love something, and then the partner will come in and not feel at all. And it, it's mm, that's awkward. <laughs> it's it's awkward, but it's just it's just fascinating to to see. Yes, you, you know, you've got if you're buying something that you want to both enjoy it, or you buy something each. There we go, that's the perfect compromise. Yeah. <laughs> and great for both of your galleries, obviously. <laughs> so apart from finding work that they like and want to enjoy, are there other things that art buyers need to consider? Any traps for young players, Liz? What's your view on that? I think, I mean, I'm always going to say don't listen too much and think that you're buying for investment or you're going to have any short-term gain. If you're buying it, you're buying it really to enjoy for quite a long time 
and you know if it happens to investment wise to pay off then it does but you're going to have to give up that work eventually yes mm. what about practical tips I mean I know I've you know in my early days as an art fancier mm-hmm. uh, found myself caught short with things like thinking that uh, framing was part of the deal Framing's a big so we do framing and it's a it's a make or break. Uh, you've you've got a beautiful print. It needs to be framed beautifully with acid free materials, conservation materials. Uh, you can we often have people coming in with ready made frames that they want us to fit in. We're just almost at a point of not of not doing it. It's just you've got the special piece that needs to be preserved. So framing's a real big deal. Yes. And do do people uh, need to consider things like, is the work the right size for the wall that they're going to hang it on when they're framing it? Is it going to be in the sun? Does it need to have the right glass? Things like that. Yes, there's all of those considerations. And uh, sunlight is just a no-no. Even if you get the the very good glass, you should never hang it in direct sunlight. But, yeah, light is a a big factor. So the glass, there's, you know, uh, 99% blocks out 99% of the UV rays size yes weight on the wall all those types of things and often people will fall in love with something and then go away and say yes I'll take it and come back and say oh it's grown since they looked at it last but your mind plays tricks on you so and you'd encourage people to ask all of those questions and not be backward and coming forward around any concerns or questions that they might have absolutely and we uh you said mentioned before about a daunting experience of going into a gallery that's something that's just the highest on our priority is that people feel comfortable and they can ask us and we're um you know very happy to advise on all aspects of fantastic and Hilary, I think you've also said, you know, generally speaking, you're better to spend a bit more time and get the work that you truly love. Is that, do you think, sound advice for any prospective art buyer? I think it's sound advice when one is buying anything at all over a certain <laughs> price list. <laughs> but most of all with art, because you want, it has to be something that you enjoy looking at every day and that in which you see something anew each day. I think that's the most important thing. And I really love being in the gallery because I have the wonderful privilege of sitting there with a a number of really great works by one artist over a period of a month. And that is really such a wonderful experience. I wish everybody could have it. In the brief time that we've got left, I just wanted to ask you both about art collecting as a pursuit. And I guess most of us tend to buy what we like in a relatively sort of haphazard kind of way, but perhaps with a view to a measure of aesthetic synthesis in terms of creating a pleasing overall look in our home or workplace. In a couple of words, what would you, for those of us who aim to consciously build a collection, what advice would you give, Liz? Buy each work for its own merit. Don't worry about if it's going to go match curtains or or the other artworks. Buy that work because you love it and you buy what you love. Hilary, I, I think that's one very valid way of collecting, and it's probably the dominant and most personally satisfying. But there are collectors who uh, are serious about collecting as an intellectual project. And as I said before, such collectors, such as James Michener, do a great deal of research about before they start their collection. And, and they look for breadth, representation, and they also consider 
whether this is work that will eventually end up in a public art gallery. That's a very different way of collecting. There are very few collectors like that, but it does exist. Yes. And you should have deep pockets if you are <laughs> something to aspire to, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> Hilary Radner and Liz Fraser, many thanks for joining us today and sharing your really valuable insights. And thanks to you too, our listeners, for joining us today. Next month, we'll be looking at the same topic from the point of view of some prominent Dunedin art collectors. How have they gone about building their personal collection and what wisdom do they have for budding art lovers? Don't miss it. If you'd like to hear today's show again or listen to previous shows, you can find our podcasts on the Otago Access Radio and Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society websites. Thanks to contributor Ross Curry and our producer Jonathan Quayoff. I'm Sally McMillan and you've been listening to Sightlines. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.